Hello everyone and welcome to episode number 50. This is a really good round number to be talking about what's really important in today's society. Educating our young people, educating our youth. Today's talk is about doing the hard work, not the hard work with the amazing Christy Maggio that has won my heart quite some weeks ago when our dear friend Glenn Marsden has put us in contact, forever grateful to Glenn, for so many things and especially that I got to meet you, Christy. I won't be talking too much today because it is Christie's day to inspire us. I'll only be telling you a bit about her so that you know how impactful she is. After starting Maggio Multicultural Academy and Foundation, Christie's mission became clear to impact the lives of one billion youth in the next 10 years by providing an educational program based on entrepreneurship and applied learning. Christy says something that is very heartwarming. I don't do hard work. I do hard work because nothing is ever hard when it comes from the heart. What an amazing reminder Welcome, Christy. It's wonderful to have you here with us today. Thank you so much, Roxana. It's wonderful to be here. And, uh, you know, I just, working with young people is, is truly, you know, it, it, it's a gift because they're not easy. But at the same time, you know, you really have to love it because sometimes it's just like, oh my gosh, what are you thinking? But, um, but it's true. Everything that I do is comes from my heart. And when that idea came to my mind, I thought to myself, well, that's a really good answer as to why I don't ever get tired. You know, I'm up extremely early every morning. I work most of the day until later in the, in, at night. And... Everything I do is focused around my mission and my vision. And, but that's the thing. When, and I often tell my students this, when you can find something that you truly love to do and make it your work, then you don't have to, you don't live for the weekend. You don't say, oh, it's Monday morning. Oh, I'm so happy it's Friday because I have two days off. You live for what you're doing because it's going to change so many lives. And however, there are those moments that I'm just like, oh, I love a day without my phone, or I would love a day that I don't have to worry about answering email. Like we all get those moments, but it doesn't change the fact that. I'm not excited about what it is that I do and what it what I'm what I'm working towards. But you know, we all have that little break sometimes. But sometimes, you know, it chooses us. We don't choose it. <laughs> wow, this is powerful when you say that it chooses us, that we don't choose it. Can you please share with us how did your mission choose you, Christy? 
So it's one of those things where I had fought against becoming a teacher for a very long time. My mom was a teacher, my aunts were teachers. It was something that was everyone's a teacher. And I'm like, I'm not going to be a teacher. I wanted to, um, I learned Italian and I studied Italian and I wanted to go into international business. So in college, I majored in economics as well as Italian. And however, when you're gifted, and it's not everybody has a gift. Everybody has the ability to do something incredible. And so my gift has always been helping others and teaching them how to do things and break things down step by step in a way that just makes it fun and, and activates their mind and they just loved it. So I had taught for the first time that I had, that I was that I was teaching was at the college and university level. I taught at um, Ohio State University, University of Virginia, Syracuse University. And those that's a whole different aspect. And so when the students would come back to me like, you know, wow, this is we love this, but this is not normal language learning, you know? And even with my students, my middle school and high school students, um, they really just enjoyed being in my class. And so I realized that that was my gift. That was something that I had the ability to do. But also I recognized too, especially with the middle school and high school kids, how much they're struggling and a day-to-day impact in life, and how much they need guidance and mentoring. And so I started doing, you know, the detention rooms, and, you know, after school, like when kids would get suspended, and um, working with those kids. And for me, that was the most rewarding, because they were just lost. They needed someone that was going to stimulate them, not just let them sit there and sleep and feel like that they're just, you know, over and done with with everything and that no one's gonna care about them anymore. Um, and so I always had great great relationships with what they call at risk children. Um, those that you know are always in trouble. But it wasn't until the moment came where I was proctoring a final exam, and it was a biology exam, and I walked into this room, and there were all these desks, like a big exam room, and there were dictionaries on each of the desks. And I'm like, what are, the, what are these books? And I'm like, well, they're dictionaries, because these are the ESL students like the English and the second language students, and they were the first, like most of them were refugee kids that had only been there for a year. And I'm thinking to myself, there's 200, I don't know, 100, 200 kids in this room, and they're taking a biology exam in high school. It's the first year they've learned English, and they have to do it with a dictionary. And I'm thinking, are we are we 
are we testing them on their language ability? Or are we testing them on their knowledge of biology? And so you wonder why a lot of these kids sometimes don't make it because you're so frustrated. Because the system, that, that's what it, that's what part of it does. It doesn't, you know, it makes kids that are already just coming to a new country from somewhere else feel as though they can't make it, you know, it's difficult enough as it is, and then let's put something on top of it as opposed to giving them full immersion. They have to take all these classes and their high school level, you know, I can imagine. For me, it would be like going to, you know, I don't know, going to Spain. And do it vice versa. Or some of these kids were from Burma. You know, like a lot of these kids were from Burma. So, you know, going there and trying to learn their language in one year. And then at the end of the year, take an exam in biology. Right? Like, if you flip it around, you think, that's insane. And so, it's like, why don't we just set them up for, it is just setting them up for failure. And I'm like, there has to be a different way. So, I thought... I was going to come to the Dominican Republic, like, I'm, I got my administrative degree in New York State, and I was going to come to the Dominican Republic, I was going to perfect my Spanish, and I was going to go back and do an administration position, because I felt I needed to be in a higher level in order to make any change, and I needed to just keep moving up, because I wasn't going to be able to do it, or change policy from a lower level. But then when I got the Dominican Republic, I was like, okay, this is a whole different world. Not only did I learn Spanish, but I'm like, I can make my own and I can start that. But it didn't start right away. It's not like I came here and I said, oh, I'm going to open school. It took three years because the first year I worked for another school. And the next two years, I tutored out of my own home private classes to save up the money to be able to do that. And then I opened in 2016 with seven students. And then it grew over the years uh, to 85 students. And it just kept growing every year. The thing was, for those first three years, I, you know, thought I, thought I was crazy. Thought I was, you know, what are you doing? Like, you could be back here. I mean, I was working week to week, scripting by. They had a car. I would go to the, um, to the supermarket on the weekends on the bus with a little rolly carry-on suitcase to get groceries and then take the bus back again. Like, for three years, I lived like that. And four years, actually. And so the thing was that there was a lot of fear in there. And, I, and so when, I, when, we, when we bring that in, like, there was something in my heart at that moment that was like, I really could do something completely different that most people don't do because they're afraid it doesn't work. I was, I, 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 I was. I'm like, if this doesn't work, then I have to go back home, and I have to put my head down, and I have to, you know, feel like I failed. And then I'm like, but what if it does work? 
many lives am I making? And so we often tell ourselves the negative side doesn't work, this, 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 this is going to happen. But then we have to stop and say, but if it does work, how many lives am I going to impact? How many people am I going to change? How, who am I going to be able to give a whole different picture to? Right? And how am I going to also be happy? Am I going to be happy doing that? And the answer to all of those, if it does work, is yes, 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 yes. And so when we see, like, today, you know, what it's nine years of, of working towards, you know, getting to where I am at this moment, and it's still a work in progress. A lot of it is lonely. A lot of it you're doing on your own, especially when you're 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 starting something, you're you're bootstrapping everything, right? But I just believe so much in my mission. And my mission initially was just to be able to not have to to be able to create my own system and work with kids that I was just able to do it the way I wanted to do it. That worked. And then that evolved into, wow, you know, I can help so many other people here in the community. And then it evolved to, okay, I'm going to start a foundation because I help build wells and, you know, help with other, you know, humanitarian projects and providing education. And I was like, then when COVID hit, everything got pulled right out from under. It was like someone took a wrecking ball and just knocked everything down. Everything. I had to close the school. I lost everything. I had just put a deposit on land to build a whole new school. And I lost all of that. So I was just like, I felt like someone punched me in the stomach and I couldn't catch my breath. so hard. My mission is to help other people. Why did this happen? And a lot of times when those things happen, we stop and we say, Mom, it wasn't meant to be. It wasn't meant for, for me to do this. And again, you know, in the background, families are like, well, just come back. You get a teaching job. Everything will be fine. It happened. It's not your fault. Ah, part of it was my fault. Because I didn't have the right system in place. I was trying to be a one-woman show. Can't do that. I knew I had other teachers, but I was like, if I have to do it, if I have to explain it, I'll just do it myself. If I have to do this, I'll just do it. And then I didn't know how to pivot fast enough to get those parents that were that abandoned the school to get them back. And so while yes, there is some truth in that COVID like just kind of was like, what do I do now? Like why is this happening? It was also my responsibility in that 
not know a lot of business things. I was always trying to do everything myself. And a lot of times people try to save money by doing it themselves and not hiring others. And at that point in time, I could have hired other people to, to help me with different aspects. You know, other than the teachers. The teachers, I had teachers in school. But other people who do other behind-the-scenes work that I was taking on myself. And so with that being said, there's a lot of things I would have done differently had I gone back, had I go to, were to go back to then now. But the thing is, when things like that happen, you, you fear that that will happen to you, like that everything would crumble. That same time, my biggest fear is that moment is how do I get it? Can I rebuild? Can I build it again? And if I can't, am I going to be satisfied with going back to a regular job? And no, I'm not. I don't know what, I don't know what to do. I don't know how. I don't know. And so, in these past two years, while I didn't understand then and why this happened, I managed to turn it around and start other people and finding their success. How can I help other young people right now? I can get on, I can do mentoring groups, I can do a lot of things now through Zoom that we couldn't do before. And so then that led me to interviewing people like we're doing here who came from really difficult beginnings and had horrible or difficult childhoods are successful in their industry today. And I ended up writing a book at the same, at the same time. I was able to learn more about online teaching, online learning, online instruction that I wouldn't have had the time to do had it not had it. So while, and, and one, of the, one of the people that I listened to, um, he says, don't, you know, sometimes a step back is really a step up for something greater. And so when I think about it, every time something that I or you or something that bad happened in my life, it didn't go the way I had planned, um, what happened next was better than I could even imagine. So I just kept in the back of my mind not going to let fear of not making it, not even going to entertain the thought that I'm not going to get back on track. What I am going to do is hold on to those moments where I knew that, okay, every time something challenging or quote unquote bad or negative happened, I could go back and remember the next thing that happened was always something greater than I had ever even imagined. So I just held that in my mind. Something great is coming. I can't even envision it, and that's how great it's going to be. And so 
And don't get me wrong, these past two years, I mean, other than going to school, I had to go back home and live with my mom. I had no one at home again. I had people that I needed to, you know, debt that I needed to pay from from the school because of all of my money came to um, to the land that I ended up losing. I mean, when you think about it, like I did because I had to go back to small town that I was from called Pontiac. And this is where my ego came in. It's like I can't let people think that I failed. I can't let people know that I'm here. I can't and I literally did leave in inside. I didn't leave. I didn't go out for two months. Other than the state market or something like that. Because
not about that, but the more you count, the more you give, right? And so, but in looking at all of that, and looking at the mindset that I was in, and having it shift in that way, it's true. But we often see the end product, right? We don't see how it started. The only difference between those that are living the life they want and those that aren't is because they listened to the mission that chose them. They listened to their internal heart and followed what they knew they were meant for and didn't let anything deter them from that path. And so that's the only difference. We can look at hundreds of people in history. For example, and I love this example, it's like the Wright brothers, you know, they are the first to build the, the flying machine, right? They had zero funds. They just had a little bicycle shop and, and everything. And they kept that going over and over and over. And the other man who was trying, they were in competition with this other man who was being given the money by, you know, rich people. And the problem was that that desire, that hunger, that heart to do this and get it right and, and fulfill that for them was so much stronger because they had to work for it than when it's just given to them, right? So when we are on our journey, like I say, I'm nine years into it. It took me three years just to set uh, open the door of the school for the first time, right? And behind the scenes, people don't see the hours that you spend. And maybe people don't want to do that, right? Maybe people don't want to spend the hour. Maybe they want the nine five. They want to be able to spend time with their family and go on vacation and not have to, you know, focus so much on that. Well, then that's okay. That's their choice. But to make it in a way where you are truly a life of purpose, a life that we have always believed in God, I believe in God. Guys, put us on this earth, do something special. He's given us all gifts. And so therefore, I love this one thing that Les Brown said to me. He's like, he said, you know what, what hell is? And I said, and, and it was in a group thing, and in a, in a group chat, and it's like, okay, what is it? Like, it's the day that you die, and the person that you are makes the person that you are supposed to be. And anytime I think about giving up on that, I think about that because for some reason that is a huge impact to me. Huge. I can't imagine. Giving up today and come down the road and I see myself in the mirror and I see what I could have been had I not given into the fear 
naysayers. Because it's good. It's scary. You know, there is a fear of, you know, of poverty, like of, of what had just happened to me, of losing it all, right? There is a fear of, of you know, something happening to you. Um, you know, there is the fear of what other people think. There's the fear of, you know, not making it. And there's so many things that come in your mind. It's like, wow, this is, it's, it's incredible. Because those that don't what they have said in their heart, I guarantee you most of them didn't do it simply because the fear was stronger than the mission. And it's not an easy thing to overcome. It's just one of those things that you need to spend your, your, your time in, like I spend my morning gratitude, you know, as soon as I wake up, I listen to, um, I listen to a, a, a pastor or a scripture or something that is motivational and positive, I, you know, to set my mind in that right spot, and it's just as simple as, you know, if you want to make it even simple, you know, I say it's a good day, today's a good day to have a great day. And it's very simple. It's very simplistic. Anybody can do that one. But when you think about it, it's training your mind to not allow the fear to overcome you. It's training your mind to think what if it does work instead of what if it doesn't work. And so, yeah. Wow, Christy, what a story. I've been writing things down, thinking of, you know, you are the only person, Christy, that I ever heard say that, you know, what happens during COVID with the school, it's my fault. Anyone would say, well, it, it can't be my fault because, it's, you know, it's COVID. It's, I can't control what's happening out there. However, you can be cautious, you can take all sorts of precautions, you can take all sorts of measures. What a strong mindset and what an amazing story. And I just want to say that I am so sorry for your dad. Thank you. Thank you. So, but again, you're looking at that. Had the school, so here's another way of looking at it in a positive way. Had the school not gone down, had I managed to turn things around, I would have been able to get into public. I was able to spend those last few months with my dad. We would talk every morning. We would, you know, I was able to be there. And again, that is a higher power orchestrating this thing. Because if not, I hadn't been there for for nine, eight years. So I was able to spend that time. So 
when you're looking at things and you're just like, why is this happening? Just stay the course. The answer as to why it's happening will come. I promise. It may not be tomorrow. It may not be in a month. It may not even be in a year. You're going to turn around here and say, if that didn't happen, the school didn't close. I, I didn't make the mistakes that I did. Then that I wouldn't have been there to be able to spend that time with him. So, on a bright side, which is a huge bright side, I was able to spend that time. And because and that is enough, you know, sunshine for me, even out of that really difficult moment. Wow. You know, when there's a story this impactful, <laughs> I feel that, you know, I'm going to listen to you talk again after we finish Beautifully today and just take some, some time to think things over. Because, you know, sometimes we just think we know it all, but there's just so much underneath the surface that our heart tells us and if there's one amazing lesson that I want everyone to take from today is to just listen to your heart because it may know more than you think you do. Ego does give you the idea that I know it all, I have it all, I have it all under control, but you sometimes don't and that's okay. And I think that when you tap into your heart, that's when the magic really happens. That's when you feel like you lose control, but that's when you start actually living. What do you think, Christy? I agree. And, and one thing that I that just came to my mind that's so important is when people are afraid of what others will think, if they'll be judged, if they'll, you know, they don't want to, you know, start that new business or do this because they know their family or this person or that person is going to, the naysayers are there. Listen to me. If, I always do this to myself. It's the, should I do it test, right? If nobody else existed in the world besides me, would I do it? If those people, if anyone around me, would, if my answer is yes, then I'm not doing it because I'm afraid of what other people are going to think. And that tells me whether I'm doing it because I want to, or if I'm doing it, or if I don't really want to do it at all. Right? So if I'm being, if, if those people weren't there, that were just to go out and, and do whatever, and they didn't exist, and whatever's laying on my heart or whatever I want to do is would be a yes, then I would go and do it because then I know that I truly want to do it. So that's one of the things that I do with myself to see, okay, am I not doing something because I'm afraid of what other people are going to say or think, or am I not doing it because I'm really not interested in doing it at all? You know, it's just a time when, you know, it's but you know, and so when it boils down to it, if I don't do something, and the answer is because I don't know what he's going to say or she's going to say or that person's going to say or the other thing 
music, then I know that mm, it's something that I need to do because I'm not doing it because of what others think. Yeah. Wow. This is a genius question, Christy. I'm going to use this myself. This is amazing. Wow. Yeah. Thank you so much for this. And Oh my God, you know, I would keep you for another hour, but I know you have all sorts yeah, of amazing activities so to do. Christy, the pleasure is all mine. Thank you for putting your heart out there. I can see your heart. And I'm wishing you all the most amazing successes in this world. And they are going to happen because your heart is so pure. You come from a place of love and wanting to help. And you inspire me, you inspire us to do the same. And before we go, Christy, how can our audience get in touch with you and support you with this amazing mission? Sure. Um, I am on most social media as uh, Christy, K-R-I-S-T-I, Maggio, M-A-G-G-I-O. Um, there is the foundation side, Maggio Multicultural Foundation. As well, we have our online academy, um, which is a uh, first through 12th grade. Um, so, and students from around the world team mentoring as well. So, and that is MaggioVirtualAcademy.com. So, you can check out any of our programs as well. So, thank you. Wonderful. Christy, thank you so much. What a privilege. And I look forward to seeing the amazing things that you will be creating in the future. Thank you so much, Roxanne. I really appreciate your time as well and inviting me to be on your show. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Bye.